Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. The book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 18. We are continuing with the life and ministry of David and we have finished up Absalom's rebellion. But we're going back to place an emphasis on one highlight at the end of Absalom's rebellion. As Absalom has turned up killed, um, Joab had dispatched him. We could see that before David receives the news, a runner needs to be dispatched. And we're going to take some time to examine two different runners that was sent <coughs> from the battle to report to David. And if you don't mind, let's pick the story up in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 18. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 18, and let's pick it up starting at verse 19. 2 Samuel 18 and verse 19. Then said Amahez, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings, how the Lord hath avenged of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Amahez, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But howsoever let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever, he said, Let me run. And he said unto him, Run. And Amahez ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went, over to, went up to the roof over the gate unto the wall, and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near, and the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Amahaz, the son of Zedek. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. And Amahaz called and said unto the king, all is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which had delivered up the men that had lifted up their hand against my Lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Amahez answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of the, my lord the king, and all that rise up against thee to do thee hurt, 
be as the young man is. And as we see here, we're going to put our attention on a man named Amahez. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, and mark the name of Amahez. And then notice at the end of verse number 22, that thou hast no tidings ready. And with this, we're going to see the idea of Amahez, and we're going to see the idea of him, zeal without knowledge. In 2 Samuel chapter number 18, the man Amahez, zeal without knowledge. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God, a God who's worthy to be worshiped and worthy to be served. And as we come up to you, Lord, I'm asking that you would just please help us now as we open up this passage that we can understand what you're trying to teach and understand the principle that's here. And then from this, develop a principle to apply to our own lives. Again, we need the help of your Holy Spirit to enable us to guard my voice, to protect me as I'm not feeling well. And many others out here who are here and they need to receive a blessing. They need to receive something from your word. They need something to help them in their Christian life and what you would have them to do. Again, just make this clear and let it be easily understood. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now at the end of the battle with Absalom, someone had to go and tell the king. Someone needed to report to the king the things that is going on. And so Joab, as he's making preparations, he had a volunteer that kept going on his face. And if you don't mind, I'm going to use two young men, Mr. Josh and Mr. Zeb, come up here if you don't mind. And so what happens is that Joab has to send a message to the king. And so, first of all, he has Amahez here. All right, you're Amahez. You look like a runner, big, tall, long legs. You look like you take it. And so he's, he's saying, Joab, someone's got to tell the king, tell me, tell me, send me, I'll go, I'll go. He's all excited, ready to go. However, Joab says, no, 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 not, not today. Not you, not you, not you. And the reason why is he says, these are tidings here. The king's son is dead. Now, if you remember what we discussed earlier, is that David had sent a specific reply saying, or plea to deal with Absalom gently. Well, Absalom is not dealt gently. Absalom is dead. And so the king understands, or Joab understands that this message to the king is not going to be good news. And that you have to send the right messenger with the right news. He doesn't need someone to get so excited. And here's Amaz, he's excited. I want to be used. I want to be used. And to go deliver and say, King, guess what? Your son's dead. That's probably not going to be received well. And so he's noticing Amahez and he's volunteered. He's full of zeal. He's all excited to go. He's prepared to go. He wants to go. He's got full of zeal. By the way, zeal's a good thing. Zeal is something that most people lack. This excitement, the enthusiasm for the work. Most people are not enthusiastic about the Lord's work. Most people are not excited at all about the Lord's work. Most people do things because they have to. But here's someone that's excited to go. Oh, let me go. Please send me. I'm ready to go. Man, I'll be so fast. Yeah, there's nothing you could do to stop me. I'll be there. I'll be the best runner you ever know. I'll be glad to deliver the news. He didn't care what the news was. He just wanted to be used. Use me. He's excited. Joab says, no, 
you're not the one to give tidings. Not you. Not you. So what he does is he sends another guy by the name of Cushai. This is Cushai. Hi, Cushai. Hi. Now, Cushai is not, an, uh, not a Hebrew. He's an Ethiopian. And uh, <clears throat> because he's not Hebrew, perhaps the news will be a little bit different delivering it. He could trust Cushai to be able to deliver the news in such a way <clears throat> because he knows the king needs to hear the news in a certain way. He doesn't need to be all excited. Hey, by the way, your son's dead. He needs to be able to break the news in a matter-of-fact matter and be able to explain to the king what happened. So Cushai, your job is to run. You look like a runner. And so your job is to go run from here to David the king. Deliver the news. Tell them what you saw. Now that was another thing. Cushai was there. Cushai was able to say this is what he saw. And so Amahaz, he's got full of zeal, but he's not the man for the job because he needs to be able to deliver a message to the king in a certain way. So Cushai, your job is to start running. So start running that way. All right? Good. Now, meanwhile, Amahaz can't stand this. I want to go. I want to do something. I want to be used. Why can't I be used? And so like Normal people with zeal. Send me, send me, send me. Joab's trying to take care of business, sign some papers. Here's Amahaz following him. Send me, send me, send me, send me. All over, he, wherever he goes, finally, just go, fine. What, what are you going to tell them? You have no news to deliver. I don't know, I just want to go. I'm, I just want to be used. I want to, fine, just go. And so he goes. And so now they're both running. Now, Amahaz is excited. He's really thrilled. We start off by seeing his zeal. But a second thing we see is Amahaz's empty message. So they go and they start going. Cushai's got the lead. And he's going. He's trying to go as quickly as possible. He makes around the bend. Then here comes Amahaz with his long legs. He's just booking it. Says, see you later. And takes off and passes him. Now David is waiting for news. He wants to see what's going to happen to his son. He wants to hear what's happened in the battle. And so they got the guards that are looking on the tower wall. Remember David was told you can't be a part of the battle. You have to stay in the back. So his only news is by runners. This is the only way he finds out what's going on in the battle. He's not there live. And so one of the guards looks and says, hey, there's someone running and he's all by himself. Well, David says, well, then the message must be in his mouth. <clears throat> and so they wait. After a little while, the guard says, you know what? I think I see another person. There's a second one running. David's like, all right, two runners, two people with information. I can, I'm ready to go. And the other guards looking says, I think the first guy, I think that's Emma has. Oh, Emma has, that's a good guy. Oh, it's going to be good tidings. I could try. He's a good guy. And so finally they let him in. Amahaz is out of breath as you probably would if you ran for several miles. And he comes and he says, I'm here king. And he bows himself down and shows himself polite. And, and he says, guess what? The battle's won. All your enemies are dead. And David says, I don't care about that. What about Absalom? What about Absalom? And Amahaz says, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that was only one message that David cared to hear. 
David didn't care whether the battle was won or lost. And we saw that in chapter 19. He wanted to hear one thing. What about Absalom? I don't know. And so the Bible says this. That David set Amahaz aside. With all of his zeal, his message was useless to David. And he had to be set aside. Because he had no message to deliver. So, we start off with Amahaz's zeal. He's got full of zeal. He's ready to go. He's begging to go. He annoyed Joab enough till Joab just said, fine, just go. But when he came, he had an empty message. He had a message that David couldn't use. A message that David wasn't looking for. A message that David couldn't receive. Which finally came to Cushai. Cushai had an informed message. So finally Cushai comes and he says, your enemies have been defeated. But there's only one question that David was looking for. What about Absalom? What about Absalom? Now Cushai was able to tactfully deliver the message. Notice what Cushai delivers the message here in the book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. Notice with me in verse number uh, uh, 32. And the king said unto Cushai, is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, the enemies of my lord the king and all that rise up against thee to do thee hurt be as the young man is. Now again, Cushai was sent because he was able to witness what occurred. Verse um, number 21 says that uh, Joab sent him to tell what he saw. And verse number 29, you had Amahez who could not report what he saw. He said, I just saw a big turmoil. I didn't see what happened. I didn't see how it ended up. But it was Cushai who just said, this is what I saw. But the way that he reported it to David was the young man as is if the rest of your enemies. And so he did report that he was dead, but he tied it in that, hey, it's just like the rest of the enemies. They've been taken care of. They've been dispatched. And so he did it in a way that the David as the king was able to receive. Now, of course, he, David goes and cries and of this, but Cushai didn't lose his life because he went and made fun of the king or laughed at the king or delivered the message in such an awful way. And so go ahead and sit down. You guys did good. Race after church. See who's faster now. But we could see a principle here that you had Amahaz who was full of zeal. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. The problem was is he had a zeal without knowledge. You know, the Bible speaks of another people who had a zeal without knowledge. If you don't mind, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. I want to hit a principle here. I'm going to lead us to a specific principle. But notice with me in the book of Romans chapter 10. And I want to show you this idea of zeal without knowledge. <coughs> now in the book of Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. 
the Apostle Paul is speaking about his heart towards the Hebrew people. And by the way, God has never lost his heart towards the Hebrew people. It has always been God's desire to work with the Hebrew people. And he has several unfulfilled promises that will be fulfilled once again when God specifically does things in history to reach the Hebrew people. But as for now, the Hebrew people have a zeal without knowledge. Notice, if you don't mind, as the Apostle Paul brings this up through Scripture in the book of Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans chapter 10. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness unto the righteousness of God. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, the Hebrew people, they're very zealous. They want to please God. If you go back to, to Paul before he came to know Christ as a Savior, he was a very zealous person. He was very much wanted to defend God. He wanted to defend the God of the Bible. But unfortunately, he did not have the complete truth. He did not understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of it. So in order to defend God, he wanted to protect it against those who were going to, in his mind, corrupt the Bible. And so because of that, the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, actually traveled to people's houses and drag them out of their houses. And kill them for trusting Christ. He had very much a zeal. But it was not tempered with knowledge. The word knowledge is a very interesting word here. It carries the idea in this case with education. It carries the idea of training. You know there's a lot of time that people could get very excited about the things of the Lord. But because they are not tempered with education, because it's not put met with knowledge, it ends up hurting people or pushing people away. That's sometimes a problem with brand new Christians. Brand new Christians are excited. Brand new world, I've been delivered. I've been saved from my sins. I'm excited. Oh, to have the peace that I have. I want everyone to have this. And sometimes because it's not tempered with knowledge, with training, with education, that sometimes our zeal goes a little bit beyond the scope and we end up hurting people. If you could forgive a personal illustration, may I tell you one of the times that I messed up? I remember as a young man studying the Bible, started really getting into the Bible, was really getting involved in church. Oh, this is good. Oh, look at this. You know what the Bible says here. And I happen to have a good friend who was not in church at all and, you know, said she was a Christian, but, you know, not really obeying like a Christian said, you know, one of those things where you call yourself a Christian, but really not. And so I came up with a brilliant scheme. I know how I'm going to fix her. I'm going to fix her. I'm going to shock her to death. So I went to her and I said, all right, how would you tell someone that they're the enemy of God? She just looked at me for a second and says, I'd just tell them. Okay, you're the enemy of God. 
What in the world? I said the book of uh, James chapter 4 verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore whosoever shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You are the enemy of God. You know what? She's not in church. And she hates Christians. I probably didn't do any favors. You know, that's an example of zeal without knowledge. Was I well-meaning? Absolutely. Did I want the best result? What did I want? I wanted her to serve God. But I did it in a matter of my righteousness rather than depending on God. Well, that's what it says here. Notice again in verse number 3 of Romans chapter 10 and verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. The idea of zeal without knowledge carries the idea of submitting ourselves to God's way of doing things. If you could forgive another example, not a, I didn't do this one personally, but someone I knew personally. There was a young man who, his dad was a preacher and he uh, decided to go to Bible college. But in the midst of Bible college, he says, I'm going to go become a Marine. And so he went to become a Marine. So here is a Marine getting gung-ho and then having religious training. He said, you know what? I'm going to change the world and I'm going to take down sin. So he snuck out in the middle of the night with a gas can and burnt down the local porno shop. Well, do you think that made the college look good? Do you think it made his church look good or his pastor look good? No, it made the papers all right. But a lot of people had to explain. That's not the way to do things. You didn't convince anyone to leave their sin because of your actions. But instead, what you did is you push further, people further away and say, I don't want to be a church that acts like that. I don't want to be around people who behave themselves like that. We understand that we live in a world that has lots of issues and a lot of hot button issues. Maybe things that you enjoy debating and talking about. But the Bible says that we can have a zeal and be very zealous for righteousness, meaning that we believe that we're right. And the worst type of pride comes when we are right because we justify ourselves. But then we don't have a knowledge, a temperament, an education, a training that goes behind it. And we end up hurting people, pushing them away where they'll no longer receive Christ, where they're no longer interested in it. You know, most people who no longer go to a church do so because they say some Christian hurt them. They don't go to a church anymore because some Christian didn't behave like a Christian because they're hypocrites. A zeal without knowledge. It is my personal opinion, the worst thing I, we can ever do to someone is to give someone a Sunday school class, give them a Bible, pat them on the head and say, good luck. I believe what we do then is set people up for a failure because they're going to do the best they can. But what happens without the training, without the temperament, they'll never feel like they're doing a good job. They'll never feel like they're effective. And they end up just holding a spot, babysitting, 
And then you get people who go out thinking that's what Christianity is like. And these are well-meaning people. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're good people. But they were set up for failure. One of the most important things we can do is training. To teach people. Paul was always training. He told Timothy this. The things that you heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit those to faithful men who shall teach others also. This is one of the important things about discipleship. In discipleship, you're helping someone develop the habit of obedience to Christ. Helping them to submit to God's righteousness. So that way they have a little bit of temperament that they're not going around crazily, you know, burning down buildings or doing other foolish things. There's something about submitting ourselves to God's righteousness. Zeal is wonderful and zeal is something most Christians are lacking. Zeal is necessary, but it has to be a zeal with knowledge. This is why things like evening school, the Bible is a blessing because we want to equip people to be successful and explaining the gospel, explaining what the Bible says, having a temperament to be able to help someone out because there's lots of people who can be helped out. Many people who need the help. You say, well, what happens if they have this sin? What happens if they have this sin? Let me tell you what we do with anyone. We take people from where they are and help them take the next step. And different people at different levels. Some people are way over here and some people have some maturity and over here, but it doesn't matter where they're at. We take them from where they are and help them take the next step. Maybe there's someone that doesn't believe in God. We find out where they are and we help them take the next step. We love on them. We encourage them. We tell them that we're praying for them. And we make ourselves available to them so we can help them go on. Maybe they have some sin in their life. By the way, we all have sin in our life. All sin is awful. Whether it's lying or stealing, murder or other types of sexual sins. God hates all sins. Just try to say God hates that sin, but we try to get away with our sin is hypocritical. And by the way, people always spot our sins. We just work with people from where they are. Maybe there's someone that has a different lifestyle. Maybe there's someone that has different things because they don't believe in God. We show them love and show them love according to the Bible. And help them take step by step. Sometimes it may be a while. Maybe it's little micro steps. But over time you could see those things happen. Again forgive another personal illustration. I was stuck at Luke Air Force Base. Not stuck. I loved Luke Air Force Base. In Phoenix, Arizona. For a good number of years. You know it was five years before I saw my first co-worker come to know Christ as their savior. Five years. Then after that, they started falling like dominoes. And we just saw in a span of one year, just uh, seven or eight of them come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It was wonderful. But it took five years of trying to maintain a good testimony, of being patient with people, challenging. I'm trying to encourage you that sometimes it's not instant. As much as we'd like to, we don't have a magic wand where we change their mind. We work with them according to knowledge. We love on them. We pray for them. We wait for them to have those times where they're sick and they're down. And then we minister to them. We work with them. But in due time, it works. But there's a temperance according to knowledge. 
we can all tell stories of people that were hurt by a zealous Christian, a well-meaning Christian, a Christian who wanted to do right, but because of their lack of knowledge, their lack of training, their lack of education, they ended up doing more harm than good. That's the exact picture of Amahez. He had zeal without knowledge. He picked me, picked me, I'm ready to go. But what happened? He had a message that did no, no one any good. It was empty. And all that he was good for after that was to be set aside until someone can deliver the correct message. Now, what I'm trying to do with this is trying to show us that we all have the need of learning temperance. And there's many opportunities. We have soul winning clinics on Saturdays where we try to train and equip people how to be effective in telling people about Christ. And you should learn how to be effective. There is effective ways to witness to people. Now, God can use even the foolish of us where we just pass out a track and smile at them and shrug our shoulders and God can still use that. And I'm thankful that God can use us in our ignorance and in our, in our inability but we can learn how to be effective. We can learn how to be effective in communicating truth and using correct words, using Bible words to communicate truth. We should always be working on our speech. There's a temperament where we're taught how to love people, even when it's our pet sin that we hate so much. To learn to love people, to, to hate the sin, but love the sinner. That's a cliche word phrase, but it's a lot harder to do, to love on people in the midst of their sin. But in order to reach a world that's against Christ, that's against the Bible, we have to have a zeal and it has to be tempered with knowledge. So I want to ask you, what are you doing in improving yourself? Everyone could be improving. I could be improving. There's always things that we could be working on. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe you're in the midst of discipleship. We have a couple people that have already gone through discipleship. And your next step is to disciple someone else. Let me tell you, you will grow like nothing else when you start teaching someone else. And start having to temper them from their zeal and working with them. Maybe some of you, there's other steps. There's always things that we can continue to work on to be effective for the cause of Christ. We should always be advancing forward. Maybe there's some of you who've lost your zeal. Maybe it's been discouragement after discouragement after discouragement. Maybe you just need to say, God, I need my zeal back. Help me to be excited about these things. Help me to be ready. Volunteer. I want to go. I want to go. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you have the knowledge that goes along with it. So you could be a help to the person you're addressing when you get there with the message. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.